Thank you for listening to the Brent and Sky Show's first episode of Book Report. This week, we will be talking about The Silent Scream, the first book in the Nightmare Hall series by Diane Ho. Sky and I talked for an hour about this book, so we have split our discussion into two episodes. Look forward to part two next week. Also, thank you for your patience as we work through our alternative recording solution. We should be back to normal soon. Just so you know, I'm going to be in my living room. And if you hear noise, let me know and I'll move into my bedroom. I just want to be able to, I don't, this is the part where I tell you that I don't have a uh, light bulb in my bedroom because it burned out ages ago. So, uh, I have to be able to look at the book because I made notes. Okay, so you're usually recording in bed in the dark. <laughs> um, naturally. Where else would I record? Okay. Okay. Oh, so this is The Silent Scream. I read this October 31st, so it's been quite a while ago since I've read it now. Um, but you sent it to me, and it was a lovely read. It was a fantastic way to spend my uh, Halloween. It's it's really funny because I um, I first discovered this book or this book series, it's the Nightmare Hall uh, series. Um, at, there's this place in Chattanooga, and if you live in Chattanooga, well, I would you probably can't go there during the COVID years, but it's called McKay's Bookstore, and they have all kinds of like old books. It's like Second and Charles, but it's like for it's it, it, it's like one step ahead of Second and Charles, and I can't even describe that to you, but. They had this series and they have very strange artwork. It's very 90s, very, very early 90s, I would say. And so I just, I bought a bunch of them and fell in love with it. So I have the entire series in paperback, which probably the whole series would go for like $1,000 if you bought them at one pop. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. But I was so excited uh, to find another copy for you so we could read it together because I knew you would you would just enjoy the camp, the campiness of it all. <laughs> the, I, there's a lot of really cheesy things I noticed in this book. <laughs> So the book starts out with a prologue. Um, There's Mrs. Coates, the house mother of this place called uh, called Nightingale Hall. And she walks in to find that Giselle McKendrick has hanged herself in her room and nobody knows why. And uh, all the five other roommates move out. And that's the (laughs) prologue. And let's see, it says something at the end of the prologue here. Lost in shadow and deepening twilight, the house settled into the hillside to wait. All summer long, it waited. (laughs) Um, Each of these book series have a prologue like this, and some of them are really terrifying. There was one that I was like, oh my, when I read it. So then we meet the characters. There's Jess is our main character. Uh, I didn't get... I was taking notes as we met each of the characters, and the only thing I got about Jess right out of the bat was that she loves them all. (laughs) Yes, and Jess is, like, very confident, I noticed, because, like, a lot of heroines in these sort of books are usually, like, kind of shallow, and Jess is not that shallow, which I kind of like, because she didn't fall for... when she met John, um, who's like the typical frat daddy boy who was, what kind of car does he drive again? It's like a, a Beamer, right? 
Uh, yeah, I think it is. And she the- didn't fall for his charm or whatever. And he literally reminds me of a guy I used to work with who was literally the exact same, like thought he was above it all and better than everybody. And then Kath is described as being very, um, Kath is not a very nice person, honestly. <laughs> well, in the beginning, she's described as tiny and anxious. Yeah, I mean, but aren't we a little tiny and anxious at all times? But her, she basically, like, her parents would, like, kill her if she made less than, like, a B on a test or something. So I get where she's coming from. I I pictured her as early Claire from Degrassi. You know what? That is a great description. Catholic schoolgirl outfit. Yes, that is a great description. And then I pictured um, Ian to be like every boy I've ever had a crush on with his long hair and jacket. And he just seems like a really cool, like fun guy. Yeah, Um, Jess Jess really likes Ian when she sees him. He's uh, good looking like the world owes him something. Yes. And like I even thought Ian was cute. And Ian's not real. He's a figment of our imagination that's written on a page. (laughs) Never seen um and then I felt really bad for Milo I felt like Milo like from the get-go he's like not described that well and then I just I ended up feeling really sorry for him and I was like kind of rooting for him at the end I was like let's just make this person happy like he just deserves it long hair and he's unkempt and he's like okay hey everybody and goes back to his book he's a very sad young man um and then what's the other Linda 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 the swimmer and she's kind of whatever. Um, and Jess describes her as having a tinge of green in her hair. And she was like, so she must be a swimmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of my favorite descriptions of these characters is when they talked about John. Uh, she described him as too good looking and he's a rich boy. And she kept saying that he's like vapid and stupid, but he never actually did anything vapid and stupid. It's more like Jess was just <laughs> being judgmental, I think. <laughs> That is really true because, I mean, he always talked about, like, and he always was like, hey, gorgeous, when he, like, talked to girls and he, like, described that he liked blonde hair and blue eyes, but also it seemed like he just liked all girls, like, all girls were his type. Yeah, well, that, that'll be a plot point later. Exactly. The, the kind of girl that he likes. Exactly. Very true. But Jess is just not into his charm, which I probably would be have been so into his charm at that age. Yeah, maybe so. This, these are freshmen in college. I guess we <clears throat> should clarify. And so they live in Nightingale Hall, which is where we saw the very beginning happen with Giselle McKendrick. And for some reason, and I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, Brent. But when I went to college and I lived at a dorm, we sure as heck didn't have an old lady feeding us and taking care of us and making sure we were all comfortable. Yeah, this is not a dorm. This is just like some lady with a lot of (laughs) bedrooms in her house who rents out all her bedrooms to college students who just lives near the college. And it, it, it was such a weird concept to me because it's like, they all seemed like, well, we're going to be good little sweetie pies. And it's like in college, it's not really what happens. You're like, I can eat this Snickers bar and that's my dinner, you know? Yeah. So right off from the beginning, there was one quote in chapter two that I liked. Jess goes, I hope these drapes open. Jess said, frowning at the windows. She liked sunshine and light. Adjusting to this gloomy old place would be hard. And then Kath, Kath pursed her lips disapprovingly at Jess's comment. I don't think we should touch the drapes. Not until Mrs. Coates gets here. Like what? You can't open the drapes without permission from the house mother? (laughs) I mean, it's like, I mean... I don't even know. Uh, That's so weird. But I thought it was an interesting concept, but I kind of almost wish that this had been like a boarding school instead of a college. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, they're, they definitely 
feel it feels like ninth graders are reading this and fantasizing about what college is going to be like. It's not for a college student reader, if that makes sense. Now, I will say I'm a 28 year old and I do fantasize and wish this is my life, but it is what it is. You want to live with a chaperone? <laughs> I don't want to live in a chaperone, especially not Miss Coates. And then, so, so you Je- want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jess goes to her room and it's like colder than the rest of the house. And they all decide that they're going to throw a big college <laughs> party. <laughs> and and their, you college, have- their college party is they're going to have pizza on the porch. <laughs> And there's no alcohol involved, which I don't know about y'all, but if you've been to college or have ever been at college age, that pizza and water is really not a ding dong time, if you will. And they also asked Mrs. Coates for permission to uh, (laughs) throw the party. Uh, And we find out some people like each other. John likes Kath, he says, and uh, Linda has a crush on Milo. And we already know that Jess has a crush on Ian from uh, when they first met. Um, but Milo does not like Linda. Milo is more interested in writing poetry and wants to go to the river while Ian fishes. <laughs> and they have this party and Ian, uh, tells Jess about, uh, the girl who died in her room and they hear a noise and Mrs. Coates falls. <laughs> Mrs. Coates falls. She, she kicks the bucket, if you will. Um, I thought that scene was so interesting because it's like, I mean, and also how old is this woman? Is she like in her fifties? Is she 80? Like, and they, yeah. And they exclaim that she just like randomly fell. Like there was no, like she didn't trip on anything. And so she freaks out and they call, they call the paramedics, right? No, she says, call my friend. Oh, right. Right. But she goes, she goes to the hospital, but she's like, call my friend. You need to call my friend. And it's like, or what are these kids going to like start eating each other? She's like, we need a chaperone here. Oh, we missed one character, by the way, there is a live in handyman who lives yes. above the garage and he's Tracker. only like he's only like a year or two older than them. Yeah. His name is trucker trucker. I wanted and to call him really trucker. muscular and he is like taking night classes and not exactly a full-time student like the rest of them are. Yes. But so she, she says, call Madeline Carthew because you're going to need a chaperone, but she hates anyone who's under 50. And then and then they call her and she's like, okay, no, you can handle yourselves. And so like, why even introduce that plot point? <laughs> like, Exactly. And also Mrs. Coates never comes back. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. In this whole book, she doesn't ever come back. They, just, they were like, we need a house mother. And then she's gone. My theory is that Ian wanted to smoke pot and he actually figured out a way to push her down the stairs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so here's one thing about Kath, because um, she's so worried about, getting in trouble with uh when mrs coates goes away kath groaned are you kidding if my parents found out i was living in this house without a chaperone they'd yank me out of here so fast my hair would fall out it's like girl you're 18 it's like i know you're in college like i mean i don't know i remember one night i had to walk from my dorm to my car which was in a parking lot kind of like half a mile away i guess and there were all these cats in the parking lot and it was terrifying and it's like you just kind of have to deal with those kinds of things as they come to you, you know? I guess. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Trucker lives above the garage. Uh, Jess hears a scream while she's in bed. 
Let's see. I'm just I'm just looking through my notes. I've got these bullet points. And I don't know that they mean anything. Uh, I know what else heard the scream, just her. Oh yeah, she just hears a scream in bed. Um, but here's a description about Milo that I really liked. I just wanted to add this. Okay. Um, so Milo said that the house might be haunted. Jess pushed her face into the pillow. Milo was so quiet. She had better conversations with Toast. Maybe he had tons of morbid thoughts. Maybe he sat around reading Stephen King and thinking macabre thoughts about ghosts and haunted house, howling wind, and foggy night. <laughs> <laughs> I think that described me, but it's okay. <laughs> well, so Jess goes on to campus, and everyone already knows of this building as Nightmare Hall. So I guess the suicide yes. just happened at the right before summer, but it's already gotten a new name, and everyone already knows it. And they keep doing this thing where they're like apparent suicide and they just keep the, the author keeps going over again and again and again, it, this basically the same quote, but she couldn't help wondering exactly what apparent suicide meant. Didn't apparent mean there were questions about Giselle's death. What exactly was the question? It's like stating the obvious. <laughs> they keep doing this like every few chapters. She's like, but what if it wasn't a suicide? There's fishy things going on. Fishy. I love it. And then let's see. Uh, Giselle gets her textbooks and she finds that she has, I'm sorry, Jess. Jess gets her textbooks and she finds that she has Giselle's old literature textbook. And she was like, is this a coincidence? She, for some reason, freaked out about it. And if you know this and you go to college, usually you aren't sharing books with people. Usually you're getting like a book from the store that costs $85. For well, yeah, but that, that's the thing is she probably put her name in it and sold it back to the store. And Maybe then so. and then got that same copy. That's what I imagined. Maybe so. I remember um, the school you and I used to go to um, that one of the teachers sent me a picture one time and it was like an old book with my name in it, which I thought was cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Here's a quote that I liked that just didn't make sense to me. I just wish someone had uh, warned me about how expensive college was going to be. I would have saved money instead of throwing it away on trivial things like food and clothing. <laughs> God forbid you spend your money on trivial things like food and clothing. That's actually literally what I have. I have this exact same thing highlighted in my book too. Yeah, do <laughs> I do. I have a sticky note in it. Cause it's like, how is that trivial? I don't know, but I love it. It's so nineties. So they all go to town. They go to the mall. Jess's favorite place. Jess is like, let's go to the mall. And so they go to a photo booth and there's like a brief minute where she thinks Trucker looks cute in the photo booth, but then it doesn't come up again. <laughs> so she thinks <laughs> Trucker's cute. Okay, cool. And also, then... Trucker needs his own life. Like, why is he a handyman for a house that really doesn't matter? They usually well, have like, like... He's probably 20 and they're like 18. That's what I imagined. Yeah. You don't personally know him though. I'm just kidding. I just figured he was a, just, I mean, yeah. and based on things we learn later, he's not like grown, grown. No, 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 no. But I just thought it was weird that that was his job. I mean, I guess he would be like work for the campus and he would be like in charge of that. I get that. So that makes sense. I just explained that story to myself. Keep going. So do you want to tell the story of what happens in the photo booth? You tell it because I love it. Okay, well, I'm just trying to piece it together from three weeks ago in my memory. So they're in the photo booth, and it's Ian and Jess are in there together, and they're being a little bit flirty together. And then on the last two photos, Jess covers her face with her hands, and when the photos come out, 
there's a girl behind them and the fo- and the pictures. Dun dun dun! And of course, like Jess, see, I would freak out if I saw that. Jess was kind of like, whatever. I would freak out about that, but she described the girl as being blonde and having like being really beautiful. And I think she, I mean, I don't know. I I wish we could actually see this image. Uh, yes. So they go back home and then Kath is busy working hard. Uh, there's this whole deal about like cold air in her room and the cellar blasts cold air at her and the refrigerator blasts cold air at her. Um, and then Kath turns out she has lost her essay that is due. So this is what, 92, 93. So she wasn't typing it on a laptop. It's like a physical paper essay uh, that she had to turn in. And she freaks out and she deliberately thinks Milo did it because Milo's in the same class as her. So she like freaks the heck out. Like, I mean, and he was like, no, I didn't do it. And then she starts like trashing his room, like searching for it, like an insane person. Yeah. Well, Milo has not done his essay and she knows that she knows that Milo has not started it. And he's like admitted that he hasn't started it, but he's like, no, I didn't steal your essay. Right. I mean, I don't know. I know people like that before who freak over, over freak out or whatever. I was the kind of kid in college that uh, wrote the paper the day it was due. Well, it's a bigger deal, too, if it's not digital, if you, you know, if you can actually lose it. That seems. That is true. I didn't even think about that. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, she lost it. And yeah. And she blames Milo. And that's. Yes. And that's. <laughs> that's the... I'm just kidding. The end. Um, um, there was a quote later on that I thought was really weird. It's not okay. just her clothes that looked wrinkled. Jess thought with a wave of compassion, every inch of her looks wrinkled as if she'd spent the night tumbling around in a clothes dryer. Doesn't tumbling in a clothes dryer get wrinkles out? You know, that that's really true, isn't it? So I don't, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> Um, so Giselle has a brother named Avery who has just been dispatched from the army and he's coming to this house to pick up her trunk, her stuff, right? Yeah. A plot point. So she was able to sell back her lit book, but it wasn't with her stuff that was in the trunk. Who knows? Whatever. So he comes, um, and that's the reason why he hasn't been able to do it yet because he's been deployed. So now he's free to come get her stuff. Um, and we find out now, um, that Milo and Giselle were best friends until high school, until something happened. We don't know what, but they were friends and then they weren't. And you could tell that Milo's pretty butthurt about it because I, it's almost like maybe he had uh, had feelings for her and it was almost mm-hmm. like that maybe that happened is like heck no and cut him off completely and uh nobody believes that it was suicide yeah i mean uh, no you said it wrong apparent suicide oh yeah the apparent suicide nobody believes it obviously uh oh, so they send they send uh trucker and milo or trucker and some john i don't remember they send a couple people down to get her to get the trunk and give it to him and there's some weird stuff about lemonade and i didn't know what was going on and later in the story it turns out this is an important scene (laughs) and i missed it (laughs) so and another part too like also with the um with the essay that went missing Cass essay and we never found out if she rewrote that or not i wonder yeah she did she she stayed up all night and rewrote the whole thing that's right so then she was like now milo you can't turn it in because i they'll know that you stole it from me because you i will do it anyway 
So then, and she said, I'll get you my pretty. So then <laughs> Linda, um, who's the swimmer, who's really like randomly sporadically in the, um, she is getting ready for a swim meet and she has on, she had, or she's looking for her swimsuit and she can't find it. And then she reaches and finds that it's been, her swimsuit is like in pieces, like it's been slashed. And yeah, this so she, way later. Is it? Yeah. You just skipped like <laughs> a lot of the book. Well, then go back. Okay. 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 Um, we have a scene where Jess finds footprints of mud that just start in the middle of the hallway and end at her bedroom door. And then she starts, she wants to go clean them and then they just vanish on their own. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, um, whatever floats your boat. And then Jess is laying in bed at night and, uh, she wakes up and sees the shadow of a body hanging from the light picture in the middle of the room. And she screams and, you know, people come in and help her. Can you ever just say, and she screamed? And she screams. You're like, and she screams. And she screams. <laughs> um, and everyone just believes that it was a dream. Uh, so, so Jess now goes to a party and meets a sophomore named Beth, who says that she saw weirdly in the middle of the sentence. It looks like my audio was not recorded for a few words here. What I meant to say was that Beth saw that Giselle was fighting with someone she did not recognize on campus the night when she died, who she didn't recognize on the night that she died. That was such an awkward scene to me. I don't know about you because it was almost like it, it, when I first, when I, because I knew what happened, but when I reread it, I was like, that's such an awkward scene because she was like, I, I chose not to tell Ian about it. And it's almost like, at first I was like, was Beth like an apparition? 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 Yeah. That's what I thought at first. I was like, I don't remember this, but maybe she was actually like Giselle, like bringing, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that was, that was a key clue is that she was fighting with someone who wasn't in their class. Right. Um, And then Jess really wants, there's a ball happening and Jess wants to be asked by Ian um, so do I. <laughs> and so Ian kisses Jess before bed after walking home together that day. Yeah, then thank God Miss Coates wasn't there because she would I know. be like. She would flip place, put the place on lockdown. I know, fornicating. And now Linda finds her swimsuit. So finally, Linda is Linda is on the swim team and she's got a scholarship and all this stuff. And she reaches to find her, her swimsuit, her campus swimsuit, and it is in pieces. And she thinks that Kath did it. And there's this part in it that really stood out to me, and it kind of shows Kath's true nature. And Kath says, Kath stepped forward to examine the destruction. Well, she says, as she stepped back again, now you know how I felt with my, when my paper disappeared. And that paper was a lot more important than some stupid swim meet. It's like, really, girl? So Linda can't afford to get another swimsuit. So basically, that's that. And so she's terrified that if she goes, she can't miss another swim meet. Yeah, she can't. She can't not go to the swim meet. If she doesn't go to, if she, yeah, she just can't not be there. Um, I also wrote that Kath kind of shreds into Linda with this quote. um, You should be relieved, Linda. Those suits are the ugliest things I've ever seen, (laughs) even on people with good figures. Then she left the room with a toss of her hair. (laughs) 
I know. Kat, it's like, what in the heck? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Kath is like one of those bratty girls that probably has very limited friends. Um, but the, but Jess convinces her that another girl on the swim team will let her borrow an extra suit. And so Linda is fine. Um, well, at this Linda point, Linda is never heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's, she's a minor character. <laughs> What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? I am thankful that I have had a wonderful opportunity to have all this time at home to myself to work on cool (laughs) things. I've gotten a lot better at piano and I'm very happy about that. And I've started a podcast with my beautiful friend Skye. And now I get to talk to her every week. And I'm so thankful to get to talk to her every week. Aw, and I'm thankful for you as well. This has been a great experience. Um, God, we've been friends for almost, we've been friends for more than 20 years, which is crazy uh, to Mm -hmm. think about. But this has just been a great little uh, weekly nugget that I look forward to. And I'm really thankful during this time I've been able to work out and kind of get in shape and focus on what's most important in life, um, which is just keep it on, keep it on. Uh, Chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, and what's very important is um, my favorite Thanksgiving food is either pumpkin pie or sweet potatoes with marshmallows. So good. Mm, I can't do it with the marshmallows. It's too sweet for me. Get out. First you dissed my candy corn. Now you're dissing my Thanksgiving meal. Candy corn. What is candy corn? Oh, a very important part of the world. This has been the Brent and Sky Show. A weekly podcast about growing up. But not too fast. If you like the show, remember to tell your friends. And consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. You can find our show notes at Brent and Sky. That's S K Y E. Dot com. Yay! And. You like that ASMR? I do. It's sexy. <laughs> this was great. This was so fun. I love doing the book stuff.